0: Depending on who you talk to in our company, you you might find that we're still working on our MVP. Our first iteration of the product was a, a pitch deck that we basically used to raise some seed money. It was kind of more of a minimum viable marketing, you know, MVM rather than the MVP. Meaning if you could put together a sort of a landing page and convince someone that you can build a product that they see in their deck, then you know you're probably onto something. And I think that was really the first version of our product that got people really excited. And it wasn't, it wasn't something they could put their hands on. It was really this idea. I'm Nat Robinson, co-founder and CEO of Trustworthy.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lappart, and today how Nat Robinson created the platform to house your family's info, all within the family operating system. All this and more on Code Story. Nat Robinson is from New Zealand and grew up there the first half of his life. He finds that growing up in a small island nation gives him a unique perspective in the world. He currently lives in San Francisco with a young family and loves doing water sports when he's not working, including surfing, sailing, and the opposite, winter sports, snowboarding and such. He likes Santa Cruz for surfing and typically prefers inland snowboarding. While working at Microsoft, post the acquisition of his prior company, he started attempting to solve a problem for himself around storing legal documents. What he discovered was that families were struggling with an overload of information and how to keep it readily available and organized. This is the creation story of Trustworthy.
0: Trustworthy is building a new category to help families manage their information called the family operating system, which is a term that is patent pending and really a technology around that. Essentially what it is, it's an online service that helps families protect, organize, and optimize their important family information. And that's things like family IDs and loyalty programs and all all of that. Uh, Money, property, insurances, passwords, state documents, the legal documents, emergency instructions, and a few other things. We help you get a view of all your important information in one place. Uh, We help you share it across uh, what we call your trust graph with your loved ones and trusted professionals. Uh, And we help make that whole system better over time by optimizing the things you have and making recommendations for things that you might not have yet to make your system better. I was working at Microsoft. The last company that we'd built had been acquired and we were there working on bringing new value to the consumer SKUs of Office, of Microsoft Office. Separate from that, we've been looking at sort of the trust and will space. We're looking know, very, very selfishly looking at solving a problem for ourselves around legal documents. And how do you keep those up to date over time um, as life progresses? You might get the documents and they're all beautifully bound in a lovely folder. And then life happens and something changes and you have to update those documents. And most people forget to do that. And what we found was that legal was an important consideration for most families, but it wasn't the leading one. And it wasn't the only one by a long shot. Families were now struggling with an overload of information. We heard this phrase, it's all over the place, a lot. Um, and this made it hard for them to find things when they needed them or share it with their families. So Everyone knew what was happening. We also saw that they cobbled together the DIY systems, do-it-yourself systems for themselves, using everything at hand, right? Analog and digital tools. And we tried using some of those tools and found they all kind of fell short in the same areas. You all had to you know, manage it completely yourself and, and make all the updates as things changed in your life or things happened. All of the tools that we saw were pretty much what we call dumb containers, meaning they had no context about your information, they couldn't offer any value back based on the information that you put in. They routinely struggled or just plain didn't handle temporality, meaning if I share something with you now, you can see everything. I can't hold some of that back for later. And then lots of them didn't have sufficient amount of security around them or related to their business models. And so those are all big, challenging things that we saw could be improved on. And after talking to, you know, 30 or so families across the country We were really left wondering, why isn't there something to help families manage that important information and get things done? We're so deep in the information age, you know, companies and enterprises have thousands and thousands of solutions to manage company information. Why don't consumers have anything? And decided to solve for that.
1: Well, let's dive into the MVP then. So tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: Depending on who you talk to in our company, you, you might find that we're still working on our MVP. Our first iteration of the product was a, a pitch deck that we basically used to raise some seed money. It was kind of more of a minimum viable marketing, you know, MVM rather than the MVP, meaning if you could put together a sort of a landing page and convince someone that you can build a product that they see in their deck, you know you're probably onto something. And I think that was really the first version of our product that got people really excited. And it wasn't it wasn't something they could put their hands on? It was really this idea they could imagine, right? It was all it was all promise. You know, people got excited about that enough to write um, checks and and say, "Yeah, I want I want to see this product come to life."
1: Okay, so take me a little bit, a little bit more into the building of it and around the decisions and trade offs you had to make post that. The, the the deck and the, the minimum viable marketing product, you have to make certain decisions and trade offs when you start building a product right about, you know, feature cut, technical debt, things like that. Tell me about those decisions you had to make and how you cope with them.
0: You know, when we looked at building something that was competing with DIY tools, essentially, And this is anything from a file and folder or filing cabinet through to, uh, you know, a digital version of that, like uh, Evernote or Google Docs or Excel. You know, there's there's trade offs that are big trade offs that are made. You know, a blank page is infinitely scalable and it can do anything you want. But at the same time, having a blank page in front of you can be very debilitating. So we knew this was going to be a big trade-off is that we were going to kind of put people on rails in helping them get organized and prepared and that that was going to be a limiting factor for some people, right? That we had an opinion about how to approach this getting your family organized and prepared problem and we couldn't be sort of infinitely flexible that members would have to sort of snap to our way of doing things. you know. So for most families, they actually prefer it but at the beginning, it's very nerve-wracking when you come across customers who want to customize everything and say, well, why can't I have this or that? I think we just felt like we really had to stay the course on that. And that was a big trade-off for us. It's like, well, why can't we make you know a system that's infinitely scalable and flexible? And we're like, well, we that kind of already exists. And we've seen the, the pitfalls and, and the drawbacks of doing it that way, that you have to do everything yourself. There's great parallels in 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 enterprise cloud history right where companies like um, salesforce said hey look you should not build software systems that are completely flexible and scalable you should snap your business to the software rather than the other way around and that's going to be way more efficient for you obviously And i think there's a similar um, analogy here for consumers
1: okay so then from that point you've got you know, you've got your MVP. How are you progressing and maturing it? And 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 really, the root of that question is how do you build your roadmap and how do you decide? Okay, this is the next most important thing to build.
0: Well, we don't have a shortage of ideas on how to make the product better um, because we use it ourselves with our own families. I think that's obviously helpful. You know, we, we were kind of selfishly looking to build a system for our own families and help other families in the in the process. Of course, you know, now that we have customers, we also get a ton of amazing feedback from them. And, you know, I think it's one of those areas where you realize how much commonality you have with people from all walks of life. Having said that, you know, I'm very fortunate to have my co-founder and head of product, uh, Dan McCool, who takes the lead on the roadmap. But like any company, we're sort of constantly mixing in elements of, Delight for customers and elements of helping move the business forward. An example of this might be, say, a feature that helps customers organize their tiles. We have this concept of tiles uh, or entities, and so people want to organize those differently and versus, hey, should we run a paywall A-B test, you know, like that's going to help the business and, and give us some learnings on what, what helps people there we try and do those concurrently of course but when you have hundreds of each of these competing things it can be a real balancing act so we just try and take this approach of like okay you know two things for customer delight one thing for the business or depending on how things are going maybe the other way around
1: let's switch to team nat so how did you build your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you
0: yeah we've been lucky in hiring i'd say I think partly because of the mission is, you know, people want to work on something called the Family Operating System. Obviously, you know, lots of people have families, whether you're, you know, currently have children or not, you're part of someone's family. And lots of our members are often thinking about their parents uh, as well as their own, you know, sort of nuclear household. You know it it feels like it's a cause for good like oh yeah how do i help my family and other families concurrently be better organized and more prepared as life happens that's that's a great mission to be on so we get a lot of people coming to us saying hey do you have this kind of role i'm a i'm a this for that you know is can you accommodate me i want to work on this mission this is really important and they generally relate to it through their own family scenarios right like Oh, I had an uncle who passed away, and it was a nightmare unraveling his estate. You know, it took my parents forever to help do that. I just don't want my family to be in that same situation. I want to get ahead of that problem for myself and for my parents. I, I think the the mission really helps. Like, and and you know, the, those books about you know, like find your tribe and find people who align with that mission. I think that's a that's a huge element is you know f- finding people who want to go on that journey with you. The other two. Key things that we do in finding people is really sort of like trust your gut and your first impression, I think, is something that sounds silly, but is is actually been researched by the U.S. Army and holds a lot of weight with me that, you know, you can second guess yourself, but usually that first impression, probably 85 to 90 percent of the time holds fast, right? It actually bears out. I think the other side of that is not just trusting yourself and your, and your instinct, but understanding if they're willing to share and be honest and transparent, the motivations of who that person is and what they want to become and why they think that's going to happen at your company. So I think those are kind of two sides of the same coin, but um, really important.
1: okay so let's flip to scalability so when you built the first version did you build it to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you grow and that could be scaling as far as product or team
0: you know when you're building software as a service like trustworthy i think there's a lot of expectations about the margins that you should have in this kind of business and investors look for like do you you know do you have this kind of gross margin that we expect, or are you approaching it? And, I, and you do need to keep your eye on those things, but you don't want to be blinded by them. Early on, we, and still today, we purposefully do things that we know are not s- scalable, that, that won't scale. And we did it to learn more about our members. So initially, the only way you could get into Trustworthy was uh, going through an onboarding session with one of our concierge team. Um, And that was specifically like, hey, we want to have a conversation with you. We want to understand what you're looking for. What resonated with you when you found us? How did you discover us? What else does the system need to do? Does your family operating system need to do for you to, to for you to be successful? And we knew it wouldn't scale, but it was really important for us as we were looking for product market fit and the best way to help families. Now, what that's translated to is we strongly encourage people to have that free session with one of our experts for two reasons. One is you will be more successful and and trustworthy. You will discover more things that are valuable to you and your family. And for the business, it has a much higher conversion rate when people go through those sessions, right? It's by an order of more than double, right? So if you go self-service, we get a certain conversion rate. If you go through the sort of handheld version of that onboarding, um, it's more than double the conversion rate for our business. So will it scale? No, (laughs) we can't have an infinite number of people as, as more people onboard, but the plan has always been, okay, well, let's take all those learnings and figure out how to move those into the product in other ways so that they can become a more automated version of that sort of handheld version. I, I guess I think that most technology, unless it's very, very new, feels like it scales infinitely. You know, like all of the services you might use today, the cloud services especially, just, you know, are a number of dollars away from scaling as much as you need it to, when you need it to, on demand in most cases, right? But I guess there are there probably are cases of technology where like it is so new that it ha- they haven't figured out
1: how to scale it yet. Well, Nat, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Really the results for families, for families who use trustworthy, including my own, frankly. You know, trustworthy families have their important information organized. They have sovereignty over their information rather than being owned by it. They have generational legacy in their family operating systems. They have what we call household equity for them and their partner. And that means that both sides of the house know where everything is and know what's going on operationally. They have peace of mind that everything important can be found and utilized if something happens to them. And they're just in a in a better state with their family information than they've ever been. I, I couldn't be more proud of that fact that we've done that now for thousands and thousands of families.
1: Well, Nat, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: Well, there's probably lots. Um... <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I think one mistake we made, was so we just closed our Series A round at the end of March this year, but a big mistake that we made at the front end of that, probably two, two in fact, looking back, <laughs> the timing worked out just fine, but we started uh, right before Christmas in our fundraise. Then everyone took a break for the holiday, and we hadn't, we hadn't received a term sheet at that point. So we felt like that was a bad decision, thinking we could close it before the holiday. It worked out in the end that we were able to get a term sheet, a number of term sheets and choose a fantastic investor. But the other more meaningful mistake was not sufficiently practicing our pitch or doing a number of dry runs before we actually got into pitching and you know pitching some really tier one investors. It essentially meant that we were practicing our pitch on some very valuable conversations that didn't manifest in the way that we wanted them to, obviously. And that by, you know, 15 or 20 versions of that pitch in, it was so much different and so much better than it was at the beginning that I wish we'd done that, we'd saved that dry powder and done a lot more rehearsal. At the end of the process, I found out there was a book called Backable by Sunil Gupta, which basically says this. hey you want to have done 20 to 25 or the people who are the most successful in their pitches have already done 20 to 25 practice pitches by the time they get to those investor conversations so look we had a great outcome in the end i think we could have had an even better outcome had we sort of followed these laws of optimization around your your
1: pitch what does the future look like for Trustworthy, the product, and for your team?
0: We have some great, amazing plans for the rest of this year and through 2023. Some really cool, killer new features in the Trustworthy experience that will help families with their, what we what we think of as emotional assets in something we call the family archive. So um, this includes things like family stories and traditions and recipes and heirlooms and photos, of course, and videos. And then things like, you know, family trees and DNA, Um, all the sort of legacy kind of things that you want to preserve for yourself and then pass on to subsequent generations. The where did I come from? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have these holidays? Why do we eat that food? Um, A really, really important Emotional aspect to family operating system that we haven't released yet. We've really been focused on a lot of the, you know, financial and operational things because the, the, because the research that we did said, yeah, that's where people want to start. But we've heard so much uh, support for this new category called the family archive. Um, we're really excited to bring that out in the next little while. There are some other categories that we'll be addressing for that are sort of customer requests as well. We have some amazing partnerships that will be announced, I think, this year or maybe early next year, and some great new service options, too.
1: Well, well, Nat, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person you look up to and why
0: from my my own team who are amazing we're very fortunate to have uh, a set of advisors and angel investors actually quite a lot of angel investors 57 or so folks who are a very seasoned set of entrepreneurs who inspire me who give me pep totes all the time and have helped us every step of the way I can't say enough about them and I'm a huge advocate for getting as many folks uh as you can involved who can be helpful in the early stages of your company it's definitely a lot more work you know doing a lot more pitches to lots of angel investors but the dividends are huge and like having 57 different networks uh and different sets of experiences and sounding boards and it's really a good idea especially if you you know if you haven't been an entrepreneur a lot and you're maybe getting started if you can find your way to those folks and bring them on board and make them part of your mission it's going to make your life much easier
1: so we talked about a mistake earlier but this is a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach and and maybe it's the same thing with the pitch but you tell me
0: i'm a person that tends to believe there are no mistakes that everything leads you to where you are and that you're there for a reason. We've been very fortunate with some of our decisions and timing. So there's nothing I'd change or do differently at this point other than choosing a consumer business is incredibly challenging at this particular point in history. I maybe would have decided to build a B2B business instead for a whole variety of reasons, but I think that you really have to have the fortitude to try and build a direct-to-consumer business right now. You know, things are things are tough, and unless you have some very endemic product-led growth, you know, you're, you're gonna make life very hard for yourself, whereas building a, a B2B business is way more predictable. You can go to a handful of businesses and say, hey, how much would you pay for this thing? and get a read on that pretty quickly. With consumers, it's a little more challenging.
1: Well, Nat, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: I'm getting hung up on the, they've built the next big thing and do they know it's the next big thing or not? (laughs) Part of this question. (laughs) Um, because if they do then there's probably not much advice I could give them other than to say, look you're you're going on a journey here. It could be a short journey it could be a long journey you know it could be a year or two it could be ten years or more. Try and enjoy every part of that process right that every step of that journey, your company is kind of like a kid you know the kid wants to get to the next stage and level up and that's normal um, and as the parent of your company, you're never going to have this stage that you're in right now ever again, right? It's going to change and keep changing. So try and be present and try and enjoy every challenge and setback and accomplishment and every person that you interact with and, and every moment that you're in, every second of it, That all of it, that's, that's the ride that you're on. And if you're constantly trying to get to the next, 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 then it's hard for you to enjoy the moment that you're in. I mean, I think you can, you're going to look back on this phase that you're in right now with nostalgia at some point saying, oh, that was the best part of the company. Oh, that was the best part of the company. That's great. You want, you want to have that, but you also want to try and, you know, be in it and have the moment that you're having right now, even on your worst days. Just realize that that's, that's all part of it.
1: That's fantastic advice. Well, Nat, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Trustworthy.
0: Thanks, Noah, for having me. It's been great.
1: And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out Tremendously. And thanks again for listening.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.